Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Welcome, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. Thank you for tuning in today. But, you know, what else are you going to do? Because there's no day baseball today. There's no baseball that counts today. Uh, but it should still be a fun watch tonight with the All-Star Game. Uh, so looking forward to that. Had fun watching the Home Run Derby on Monday night. We'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, not going to focus too much on that, though, because there are some interesting developments going on. We are Yesterday, if we were at the 10-yard line uh, for the Manny Machado deal, it looks like now we're down to about the 2, maybe the 1-yard line. Uh, I will get into that and uh, really going to spend probably a lot of time breaking down what a Manny Machado trade would mean for his fantasy value, what the uh, fallout is in terms of other players who may be affected. So uh, that's going to be a big part of uh, probably this segment uh, of the show, uh, but lots of other stuff to get into. Uh, so as far as the home run derby goes, was Bryce Harper and his dad uh, emerging with the trophy last night. Um, so, yeah, dramatic finish too, right? Looked like uh, Schwarber was going to win it. And then Harper uh, had that flurry of uh, practically last-second home runs. And, um, of course, controversy. Got to have controversy, right? <laughs> Even in a home run contest uh, where it appeared that Bryce Harper's dad might have broken the rule that uh, you have to wait for the ball to land before throwing the next pitch. Um, so I, I read uh, the uh, piece by Dane Perry on CBS Sports earlier today. Dane's been on the show a bunch of times, uh, and I certainly agree with uh, his uh, opinion of the piece of just for now, ignore that rule, and for next year and going forward, get rid of it because I certainly don't care. If there were a player... That there, were, I had no real attachment to any player winning. I did say on yesterday's show, I was sort sort of hoping it would be either Harper or Schwarber. So I certainly liked the fact that they faced faced each other in the final. But I wasn't really attached to either one. But if I was, I could not imagine being upset about one of them losing on what essentially is a technicality. I mean, it's it's an artificial event. I mean, I guess you could make the argument that baseball is an artificial event overall, but I think you get get the hopefully you get the point here that um, you know it's a fun thing. It's about seeing power, raw power on display, and uh, you know I certainly do not care whether or not the ball hit the seats or not before Bryce Harper's dad threw a pitch. Uh, it was just fun to watch. And uh, anyways, congratulations to Bryce Harper on winning the Home Run Derby. Uh, Also, to piggyback on a story from yesterday when I had uh, Van Lee from Fantrax and the Nasty Cast on the show, and we broke down a whole bunch of different potential uh, closer situations that would be in flux. 
mostly because of trades, although we talked about a couple like uh, in St. Louis where we're not sure uh, how healthy Bud Norris is or uh, in, in Milwaukee where Corey Knable just hasn't really been himself. Uh, but for the most part, situations that would be impacted by trade. And one of those was the Padre situation, which we really I've been talking about and, you know, those of us in the fantasy industry have been talking about for probably more than a year because Brad Hand has been rumored to be on the block at least going back to last year's trade deadline. So rumors are flying again, and we have a new team to uh, add to the mix, uh, which is that the Cleveland Indians are apparently interested in maybe trading for Brad Hand. Makes a world of sense uh, because the Indians' bullpen has been terrible. Uh, I think Cody Allen needs some help there. Uh, whether it is as somebody to split the the saves uh, saves with, or you know, probably from a more fantasy friendly perspective, somebody to to set up for him because I mean that's been the real problem. But uh, Allen himself has been very inconsistent. So the Indians uh, are reportedly, uh, according to Jerry Krasnick of ESPN, interested in uh, Brad Hand, and uh, there, there's an incentive there not only in terms of 2018 for the Indians, but both Allen and Andrew Miller are set to leave as free agents this offseason. So that would be a move that would not only bolster their uh, postseason chances for this year, but would go a long, uh, long way towards getting their bullpen set for 2019 and beyond. Uh, but uh, as I've talked about, uh, as I talked about on yesterday's show, and pretty much every time that this topic of Brad Hand maybe getting traded comes up, the Padres are looking for a lot, and reasonably so, because uh, Hand is under control uh, through 2020. There's the $10 million option that Van Lee mentioned on yesterday's show uh, for 2021. So, uh, you know, the Indians or whoever would wind up with Brad Hand have a very affordable and very good closer uh, under control for three more seasons after this one. So, you know, we'll we'll see what happens there. But, yeah, add the Indians uh, to uh, the whole gaggle of teams that are uh, thinking about making a play for uh, for Brad Hand. So uh, I, I promise I am going to break down the Machado uh, stuff in, in more detail. But let me at least, at least get to the top level here. According to Bob Nightingale, the Dodgers are expected to sign Machado by tomorrow, Wednesday. Uh, but it's been just a crazy day in terms of trying to follow the stories with Machado. Uh, earlier today on, um, uh, this is uh, Tuesday, <laughs> I had to think about it. Hard to know what day it is when you don't have a full slate of games uh, on the schedule. So er- earlier on Tuesday, uh, there was a report that uh, from John Morosi saying that the Phillies were uh, at the forefront uh, in terms of uh, Machado negotiations. And it looked like the Phillies had the best chance. And then we had a, uh, a later report, uh, I believe from John Heyman, uh, that said that the Dodgers uh, had had surged ahead, and now this one from Bob Nightingale of USA Today that says the Dodgers expected to sign Machado, and it's really just in the final stages here, where Dodgers or rather the uh, Orioles are looking at um, the medicals for the players that might come back the other way, and uh, Neil Diaz, uh, by one report at least, uh, is rumored to be going the other way. There was an early report from Nightingale that said Dustin May 
who's a uh, 20-year-old starting pitcher in the California League with a uh, a 3.09 ERA in the Cal League, which is pretty impressive because that is super, super hitter-friendly. So, uh, you know, as of right now, it would look like Manny Machado within the next probably 24 or 36 hours is going to become a Los Angeles Dodger. So <laughs> I am going to break down what that would that, that would mean in particulars in terms of, you know, specific Dodgers and Orioles being affected. Hopefully this is not going to be a moot exercise and then we find out tomorrow it's the Phillies or the Brewers or the Diamondbacks or the mystery team uh, <laughs> that's uh, at the front of the line. So I'm going to assume that uh, this and it's not necessarily a great assumption on my part that this Dodger deal is going to go through because we've seen plenty of times where we get reports this deal is practically a lock to happen and it doesn't happen but I'm going to break it down nonetheless but first I do want to get to some of the other items knock them out get them out of the way and then we can just focus our full attention on Manny Machado as well we should uh, the Phillies uh, are interested in bringing Jay Happ back to Philadelphia. That's pretty interesting. At least that's one where you can't say, wow, that player looks weird in that uniform that we're not used to. Right? So it'd be a homecoming for Jay Happ. Uh, however, as I talked about in yesterday's show, everybody's waiting for the Manny Machado domino to fall. So the Phillies do have a stronger interest in Machado and also in Zach Britton, according to NBC Sports Philadelphia. Uh, so we probably have to see both of those players get their uh, trade situation settled before we see any sort of movement on, on J-Hap. But uh, that'd be interesting. That would be very interesting. Uh, and I'm not sure what that would mean in terms of the the rotation. Uh, I don't know if Nick Pavetta maybe goes to the bullpen or Vince Velasquez. All Velasquez has pitched well for the most part this year. So that would be pretty interesting. Uh, however... That same report from NBC, NBC Sports Philadelphia, uh, while the Phillies are interested in adding a lefty, and apparently they have not had a start made by a lefty in about two years, which I didn't realize, uh, they are not interested in trading for Cole Hamels and bringing him back to Philadelphia. So it's not every ex-Philly lefty that the Phillies are looking to go get. Uh, a report here from uh, John Heyman. Uh, regardless of what happens with Manny Machado, that the Phillies uh, are expected to uh, continue the talks in regard to Zach Britton. So pretty much highlighted by the previous uh, previous report. But also, John Heyman mentions that there are several teams that are pursuing Britton. The Cubs, Yankees, Red Sox, and also possibly the Astros, Indians, and Dodgers. Could just imagine the Dodgers just wind up with everybody. Anyway, that looks like that Zach Britton market is wide open. And then a couple reports here from uh, Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic. The Angels are not interested in trading either Andrew Heaney or Tyler Skaggs. Uh, the team is looking to keep both of those starting pitchers as part of their uh, 2019 push to compete. Uh, however, the Angels are drawing a lot of interest in controllable relievers namely uh, Blake Parker, Cam Bedrosian, uh Justin Anderson, which is interesting because, I mean, he's he's very controllable. He's a rookie. Uh, he hasn't been up in the majors that long and already has worked his way, I guess, uh, as, a, as a trade target and as, uh, also uh, Jose Alvarez. So apparently Angels are open to possibly trading some combination 
of those relievers. So maybe now we have to play the game with the Angels that we've been playing with the uh, the Padres and the the Marlins and the Orioles. You know what happens if you empty out the entire back end of your bullpen? Who's left? Uh, you know, no Ramirez. Does he enter the uh, the saves picture there in, in Anaheim? Uh, that could be an interesting one. And of course, that's been a an interesting and perplexing and frustrating one all season long because it's the Mike Sosha team and he's very fickle about how he uses uh, the back end of his bullpen. So um, anyways, get back to another uh, report here from Ken Rosenthal uh, that uh, he's reported that Jacob deGrom's agent Brody Van uh, Wegenen has said, uh, and this is uh, could be a direct quote here, if the Mets don't share the same interest in bringing uh, or in uh, extending uh, Jacob deGrom, we believe their best course of action is to seriously consider trade opportunities now. The inertia of, cur- of the current situation could complicate Jacob's relationship with the club and creates an atmosphere of indecision. So the agent uh, put a little pressure on the Mets there to uh, lock uh, DeGrom up on a, a long-term contract. But uh, if not, uh, then uh, try to, you know, hoping that uh, DeGrom will get traded. So that would certainly be interesting. But, you know, those rumors, again, have been around for uh, at least a few weeks. And we've got a a report here from Newsday. Glaber Torres did some base running uh, at the uh, All-Star festivities. And uh, he says that he thinks he's ready, uh, just waiting to play some more rehab games. He will fly to Tampa on Wednesday morning, play some rehab games over the weekend, and may rejoin the Yankees. Uh, on Monday uh, against uh, Tampa Bay. So forget about Glaber Torres for the short week this week, if that's how you're playing it in your league. But if you're playing the two weeks combined or uh, just, you know, waiting for next week, either way, it looks like uh, you should start Glaber Torres. But obviously we got a ways to line up lock. So we'll see uh, how that uh, that situation pans out over the uh, the next couple of days. So, uh, like I said, got some Manny Machado trade analysis, uh, potential trade analysis coming up. Uh, also want to just go over the uh, All-Star Game lineups for tonight. Uh, first here, quick message for uh, rotoexperts.com. Would you bake a cake without a recipe? I most certainly would not try that. Would you go to trial for public urination without a lawyer? Well, then why would you go into your fantasy football draft without the Roto Experts Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package? We have a fantasy hall of famer and the number one overall football accuracy expert on staff, writing articles, compiling rankings, projecting 2018 statistics, and answering your pre-draft questions. Our company's been nominated for over 60 fantasy industry awards in the last three years. We are here to help you win. So go to rotoexperts.com, use the code WINNER to get 10% off, and give us the honor of leading you to fantasy glory with the exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. All right, so let's get you a little uh, stoked up for the uh, All-Star Game tonight. As I mentioned on yesterday's show, matchup's going to be Max Scherzer and Chris Sale. I think that's well done by the uh, managers making that that call. Uh, So for the uh, NL All-Stars, it's going to be Baez, Arenado, and Goldschmidt, one, two, three, followed by Freeman, Kemp, and Harper. And then the bottom third of the order, Marcakis, Crawford, and Wilson Contreras. 
So uh, we've got uh, that, uh, that lined up for your uh, National League lineup. And then the AL All-Stars, uh, Mookie Betts leading off. It's going to go uh, Betts, Altuve, Trout, followed by in the middle, Martinez, Jose Ramirez, uh, and Aaron Judge. And then your bottom third, Manny Machado, Jose Abreu, and Salvador Perez. Uh, not bad at all, but that's why they call them All-Stars. So uh, Machado batting seventh tonight. So uh, who's he going to bat for, though? On Friday, when the schedule kicks up again, again, uh, just to repeat from earlier in the show, or in case you are just tuning in, uh, Bob Nightingale has the most recent report on Machado. He says that the Dodgers are expecting to uh, to uh, to trade for him. And I apologize because I have, to, I have this in my notes as signed. So my apologies if I read it that way earlier. Dodgers are expected to trade for Machado uh, on Wednesday sometime or by Wednesday. Uh, so. Uh, Looks like we are going to be coming up on break here really soon. So uh, rather than, than dig into it right now, on the other side of break, we're going to look at assuming Machado becomes a Dodger. What does that do to the Dodgers lineup? What does that do to the Orioles lineup? What does that do to Machado's expected value the rest of the season? Lots of stuff to break down there. Plus, I'm going to start to get into my lessons learned, good and bad. So stick around. All that coming right up after the break. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fancy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fancy Sports Radio Network app. The Fancy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fancy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fancy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour, All-Star Game Edition. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And uh, actually, probably not going to talk much more about the All-Star Game, even though I've just now uh, called this the All-Star Game edition. Uh, you know, we've talked a lot about those guys who are All-Stars. Uh, one of them, though, we will talk a lot about, and that's Manny Machado. Going to break down what looks like uh, a trade to the Dodgers from a fantasy perspective. Going to dig into uh, some of my teams. And I'm going to do my very, very best not to make this a... Uh, the host talks about his teams <laughs> and bores you to death for 40 minutes uh, kind of uh, episode here. Uh, but, you know, more do it with a, an eye for some you know, kind of general principles of fantasy baseball management. Uh, but uh, I'll be getting to that shortly as well. Uh, however, I uh, just want to update you in case you missed this, that last week on Game Time Decisions, the FNTSY Sports Radio Network awarded Jorge Lorenzo of New York City two tickets to a 2018 World Series game in the DKMS MLB Trivia Challenge. So congratulations to Jorge Lorenzo. Uh, very, very cool contest. Glad to see that somebody came away with the two tickets. But bear in mind, answering trivia questions isn't the only way that you can win tickets to the World Series here on FNTSY Sports Radio Network. You can also win by playing in free daily fantasy MLB contests 
sponsored by DKMS, held every day that MLB is played. So go to dailyroto.com slash DKMS. That's where you can find out how you can help save a life and win 2018 World Series tickets playing free Daily Fantasy Baseball. The contest will continue every day throughout the regular season, even once football season is well underway. So don't forget, go to dailyroto.com slash DKMS. That's your ticket to the World Series and also a blood cancer patient's ticket to life. So be sure, please, to check that out. Lots of good reasons to be doing that. So as I mentioned uh, a couple of times last segment, we had this report from Bob Nightingale uh, earlier today on Tuesday that the Dodgers are expected to trade for Manny Machado sometime between now and uh, the end of Wednesday. And just to reinforce that, uh, within the last half hour, Bob Nightingale has tweeted out, Commissioner Rob Manfred said there's no mandate by his office for the Orioles to hold off a pending announcement of a Manny Machado trade before tonight's All-Star game, but would prefer they wait until Wednesday. So, Again, I, I want to. I'm really kind of pushing in two directions here. On the one hand, I want to pump the brakes and say uh, that we have plenty of precedents where a trade was close to fruition and then didn't happen. But by the same token, we do have one more piece of uh, of evidence here that it's moving in that direction because the MLB commissioner himself has addressed the situation by saying that. Uh, you know, there's no mandate to not make the announcement as soon as possible, but that they would prefer that the teams wait until Wednesday. So it certainly sounds like if we were at the two-yard line at the beginning of the show, maybe we're on the one now. Uh, so uh, I feel like we're running out of downs, though. So <laughs> we'll see how this goes. But I'm going to press ahead here as if, uh, as if th- this deal is going to happen. And certainly, uh, you know, some of the things may may apply uh, regardless of, of whether or not this does go down. But let's just assume that it's going to be uh, Manny Machado going to the Dodgers, again, with some package of prospects going the other way. We haven't heard really too much in regard to what would be on the other side of this trade. But uh, let's just look at perk factors for a moment here for Manny Machado, because wherever he goes, I mean, particularly if you're talking about the places where he's been rumored to go, uh, which are the Dodgers, the Brewers, uh, the Phillies. Uh, Dodgers are the worst-case scenario in terms of park factor. I mean, that's clear. Uh, He's got a very, very good situation in Baltimore uh, in terms of being a a park that's that's cozy, that's amenable to power numbers. Uh, He's in a division where, you know, he also gets to go to Two other parks in Yankee Stadium and Rogers Center very frequently uh, that that are going to enhance his power numbers. Fenway Park's a pretty good offensive park, although not necessarily great for home runs. But uh, like I said, Dodger Stadium, particularly for a right-handed hitter, uh, is not really a best-case scenario uh, for for Machado. So it's, it's it's a distinct downgrade in terms of home run park factor. It's a fairly lateral move in terms of batting average, in terms of doubles. Uh, I'll, you know, unless you're in a points league, you probably don't even care about the doubles. Uh, so batting average might not be a, a big deal for Machado, but he, he could stand to lose some power going to Dodger Stadium. And uh, not only is, have you got that, but then you've got the rest of the AL West. You've got, obviously, Coors Field, which is great. But then you've got 
a couple of very difficult parks to homer in in AT&T Park and Petco Park. And what has apparently become a neutral park in Chase Field, although as I talked uh, a little over a week ago on the show with Eno Saris, that's a really hard one to figure out with such limited data. But certainly coming into the season with the introduction of the humidor, we all expected at the very least for Chase Field to become neutral, maybe even become pitcher-friendly. We haven't really seen it play out to that extent just yet. But, you know, well, let's not get stuck in the weeds here. The bigger picture here is that uh, Machado will be losing a pretty good division in terms of park factors and a very good home park in terms of park factors to go to one that, that's pretty neutral. So there's that aspect of it. Then you got to ask yourself, does Manny Machado have power that really supersedes park factor? So, you know, like when John Carlos Stanton got traded from the Marlins to the Yankees, a lot of people were just salivating at the idea of, my God, here's this guy who just, you know, had this incredible power hitting season and he's going, you know, from one extreme to the other from Marlins Park to Yankee Stadium. But, you know, Marlins Park didn't hold John Carlos Stanton back. That wasn't really going to be much of a factor in terms of projecting him for this year. But can we say that for Manny Machado going from a very good home run ballpark to a sort of mediocre one. And I will admit, I hadn't looked this up, at least not in a long while, if at all, this year. I was really surprised to find Manny Machado, in terms of average fly ball distance, not very impressive this year. He's averaging 317 feet per fly ball. Now, that is an aberration compared to the last two seasons for him. So there appears to be some loss of power there. And... You know, it's um, it's a little hard to understand, and, and I certainly didn't expect it because Machado is among the leaders in exit velocity, uh, but it's just not translating into a very high average dif- distance on fly balls. And then when you match that up, if you sort of scratch your head at that and say, well, you know, I'm not worried. He's got this history of uh, hitting for a lot of power. 17 of his 24 home runs this season have come at Camden Yards. Also something I was unaware of. So you put those two things together, and it's like, well, park factor just might make a difference here. Uh, and then I took it a step further, and I thought, looked at how Machado has done at ballparks over his career. Now, granted, he's been a much better power hitter over the last three and a half seasons, or I'm sorry, two and a half seasons. But over his career, uh, consistently great numbers at hitter-friendly ballparks. And again, He's got a few of those in his own division. Tampa Bay, not very good numbers. And he's played a lot there. Again, you know, it's it's in his division. So Machado's uh, played a lot there. Uh, career-wise, at Tropicana Field, he's amassed 226 at-bats at Tropicana Field. He has a 186, 248, 230 slugging. The, the 230 is the, the last part of the... Uh, the slash line there, 186, 248, 320, or I'm sorry, 230 at the trop. That's incredible. Uh, if we look at some of the parks where he's played a little less, but he's still amassed a, a decent amount of playing time. Now, he's hit pretty well at uh, Oakland Coliseum. So that's encouraging because that's been uh, a tough home run park. Uh, his slash line there in 108, uh, and I'm sorry, it's plate appearances. I said it bats a, a moment ago. Uh, 108 plate appearances. Machado has a 309, 364, 495 slash. Now, bear in mind, that sounds really good, 
But if you, you just focus on the isolated power, subtract the batting average from the slugging, that's under 190. Uh, yeah, that's under 190. So it's actually, you know, it's good, but it's not great. Certainly not, you know, if you, you said uh, Manny Machado had a you know, 185 ISO on the season, you'd say that was a, that was a down year for Manny Machado. Uh, now moving on to some other parks that are not known for power, where he's played a, a decent amount. Safeco Field, he's had 84 plate appearances there. Slash line there, 272, 274, 407. That's two home runs and 84 plate appearances. Not very much power. Kauffman Stadium, 230, 256, 378. Three home runs and 80 plate appearances. So, all right, so we got three pieces of data here or sets of data that all point to Manny Machado being a risk of losing some home run power. An average fly ball distance this year of 317 feet, him hitting only seven home runs on the road in the first half, and having pretty mediocre, poor to mediocre power numbers uh, at parks like uh, Oakland, Tampa Bay, Seattle, and Kansas City. So that that's a concern. Uh, maybe you do you want to see what you can get from Machado at this point. Just you know, I, I mean, look, he probably is going to get an uptick in terms of uh, run production. It might you know might not? It, I was going to say it might might be a foolish move. I don't know that I'd go that far, but I would just say if you're going to see what you can get from Machado, you know, certainly look to get full value uh, as if he weren't going to get traded uh, because he may in fact return full value. Maybe there isn't going to be a power drop off or if there is, maybe he compensates for it with uh, better run production numbers. But just bear in mind that there are a number of different signs here that suggest that Manny Machado uh, might lose some value with a trade to the Dodgers. Now uh, in terms of the fallout for the Orioles, uh Nothing really major there. I, if they didn't uh, call up a regular, somebody who's going to be a regular, but you know, if they replaced him with just you know somebody who's going to be in a bench role, I think the obvious move is is that they uh, shift uh, Tim Beckham from third to short. They move Danny Valencia from right field to third base, and then Joey Rickard essentially becomes a regular right fielder there. And there's really no fantasy value in that move because uh, you're, you're looking at Joey Rickard becoming the beneficiary and. There's just not enough there for him to uh, really be a value in certainly in mixed leagues. But th- there certainly would be some possibilities that they could call somebody up. I talked about Cedric Mullins on the show a few days ago, uh, having a pretty nice season, both the double A and the more recently triple A. So he's a possibility. DJ Stewart, uh, more of a like an on base uh, uh, plate discipline type guy, but. Uh, he'd be a possibility uh, that you know could have some some deep league uh, impact if he were called up. Just don't look for Austin Hayes. First of all, having a pretty miserable year, but also currently on the DL in, in Double A with an ankle in, uh, ankle injury. But also Renato Nunez, I had a little bit of interest in him when he first came over to the Orioles because I thought, well, maybe there's a possibility for playing time. He's down in AAA right now and not having a very good season in the minors. But this is somebody who, with the A's, again, they DFA'd him earlier this year. But in the past with the A's, Nunez showed some real power skills in the minor leagues. 
and that'd be a nice environment for him to hit a Camden yard. So he's somebody I'd keep an eye on in deeper leagues as well. But really the more interesting and more impactful part of this equation is the Dodgers. And honestly, I'm not sure what's going to happen there. I think in the short term, uh, you have a fairly clear picture that uh, the one position where they really need to fortify a second base and they could easily just put Chris Taylor there on a more regular basis. So you have Chris Taylor at second and Machado at short. And then uh, as long as Justin Turner is uh, battling this groin injury, you'd have Max Muncy getting pretty regular reps uh, over a third base. So you'd have a pretty steady lineup there. But uh, what about when Turner is ready and, and fully healthy, which could be, you know, after the break or shortly thereafter? Uh, you know, then I guess the, the next most obvious move, at least until Yasiel Puig is ready, is that uh, Andrew Tolles, who's been playing center, uh, he gets supplanted by Taylor. And so instead of Taylor at second, you got Muncy at second. So, I, you know, I think you're looking at guys like Logan Forsyth. Uh, Enrique Hernandez and um, Andrew Tolles really being the losers in this situation. But then when Puig comes back, I don't know. But uh, as I've often said on this show, and i got to give Nando DeFino credit because he was the one uh, I first heard say, heard say this, but these things do tend to work themselves out. Uh, it just takes one player with an injury to kind of settle this whole situation. Uh, so when everybody's healthy, I'm not quite sure. I think maybe then you have a rotation, which probably hurts Chris Taylor. Maybe hurts Max Muncy, which would be bad to see because he's been so productive. Uh, maybe it hurts Justin Turner because maybe he gets a little more time off in order to stay healthy, which is you know good and bad because maybe when he plays, he's going to be more productive than he has been so far this year, but maybe he gets less playing time. This is pure conjecture on my part. I just want to be clear about that. But there's just a lot of different scenarios here. Um, but I think that you know, once you get past the level of like Forsyth, Hernandez, Tolls, the obvious players who would lose some playing time and get everybody back in that equation, then I think you're probably looking at Taylor or maybe Muncie as being the ones who would uh, most be hurt. And again, that's that's a ways down the line. So a lot of things can happen in terms of, you know, maybe Taylor and or Muncie get into a slump and they earn more bench time. Or again, somebody gets hurt and then everybody can play. So that's this is going to be one that's going to be a work in progress uh, to to be sure, to be absolutely sure. So uh, hopefully this trade goes through and then uh, I won't have to redo the whole exercise on Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, but we'll have to see. Uh, I, I don't expect, especially given the note from uh, the commissioner's office, I don't expect that we're going to hear anything prior to the All-Star game. But possibly by the time I'm on the air tomorrow, maybe we have an announcement. Maybe we know exactly what is going to uh, happen with Manny Machado here. So we're going to put that to rest at least until tomorrow. And uh, we're going to be heading to break just very shortly here. But when we come back, I'm going to take a look at uh, a handful of my teams. I've got 10 of them, so I'm certainly not going to dig into all of those. That would be horrible for everybody involved. <laughs> but I'm going to look at, uh, at a few, including my industry teams, and look at what's gone well, what hasn't, and what I can learn, and maybe what uh, we all can learn uh, from some of the things that have happened on those teams uh, up through the, uh, the All-Star break here. So uh, going to be taking a look at that just on the other side, 
of this commercial break. So don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. I'll be right back with all that. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melkier. Thank you so much for tuning in. And by the way, if you were tuning in, hoping to hear the uh, dulcet tones of Matt Modica, well, I miss them too. Yeah, he's uh, not here on the show today, uh, but looking forward to another Tuesday with Modica next Tuesday. So uh, looking forward to getting Matt back on the show. Uh, If you enjoy playing Daily Fantasy Sports, but you are sick of dealing with professionals, using algorithms to select hundreds of lineups and entries. Try the Props Builder tool at mybookie.ag. Forget about having to create multiple lineups, ditch the hassle of dealing with late scratches, and avoid the experts winning 90% of the money. Invest in players that you want without salary caps. And if you sign up for a new account using the promo code FNTSY, you can elect an option to receive a 50% deposit bonus with a rollover requirement. No more dealing with late lineup scratches, no experts to compete against, just you and the prop that you choose. Go to mybookie.ag, enter the promo code FNTSY upon sign up, and then choose your matchups using the Props Builder tool. That's mybookie.ag. Don't forget the promo code FNTSY. So uh, I am going to uh, use this uh, last segment here of the show to reflect back. On the first half, that was uh, for uh, for myself in fantasy. Uh, and uh, the thing is, there was some good and there was some bad. In fact, there was very little middle ground for me in the first half. Uh, it's like one league where I'm, you know, sort of in the middle and, and you know, very much in the hunt uh, for the postseason, but not, you know, not terrible, not good. Uh, my two industry leagues, though, Tout Wars and uh, Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, it's been a slog. It's been a struggle. It's been a frustration, so there's certainly lessons there for me to learn. But uh, you know, there, there's you know, I mean, these are things that you play in enough leagues and you play long enough, uh, sooner or later you're going to encounter uh, these same kinds of problems. And by the same token, uh, some of the leagues are going extremely well, and I can look at take a look at what's gone right there and how to handle those situations in the second half. So we'll start with the bad, so that I can finish up on a uh, on a more upbeat note but we'll start with great fantasy baseball invitational and tout wars because those are the the two leagues where I've really struggled the most uh so in tout uh let's see I am make sure I get this right yeah currently in 11th um but you know there's it, it's bunched up and the thing is you know it's still two and a half months left so uh you know my goal in any league is to just finish as high as I can. Uh, so first place certainly does look out of reach. Tim Heaney, by the way, congrats to him. Absolutely has dominated in the first half, and he's got a 25-and-a-half point lead over Fred Zinke, who's always in the mix there. 
uh, Fred Zinke uh, ranking uh, second in Tout Wars, and Jeff Zimmerman uh, not far behind him. So, yeah, those guys uh, quite likely are, are out of reach unless just something you know phenomenal happens with my team over the next couple of months. But, you know, to get to the, the next, you know, echelon, uh, you know, that's very much within uh, striking distance for me. So what's happened there? Uh, well, in both Tout Wars and Great Fantasy, Fantasy Baseball Invitational, I have fared much, much better in pitching than hitting this year. Actually, if I were doing as well in hitting as pitching, I'd, I'd be right in the hunt in, uh, in both of those leagues. But my hitting has just been just horrible. So what's up with that? Is it, uh, you know, something systemic with the way that I, I draft or do auctions? Well, no, because as, as you're going to find out when I talk about my Otnu League, it's very much the reverse where hitting is my strength there. So I think it's just an artifact of um, just particular players that I wound up with. Uh, but I also do want to mention in terms of pitching, which, again, generally has gone pretty well for me. I am down in saves. I'm tied for 13th, so very close to the bottom. But I'm a lot closer to the the, the middle of the save standings uh, than I am to the very bottom. Because Fred Zinke, by, by the way, this is an interesting lesson just right here. Fred Zinke, who is in second place and still has plenty of time to challenge for first place, he's he's punted saves. He's got three saves on the season. And then Brent Hershey and I are tied uh, next at 32. But then it would just take, uh, you know, possibly a couple good weeks to, you know, break into the top 10, whether it's me or Brent Hershey or, or you know, any of the folks uh, that are, you know, towards the bottom there. It's very, very bunchy between 14th and uh, about 8th or 9th. So um, I've talked to on and off on the show quite a bit about my strategy for saves, which was that I was not going to, uh, I intended not to spend much at all. I wound up getting Kenley Jansen because I thought he was a good bargain for what I spent. Um, and I did, yeah, I wanted to have, you know, one or two closers that I could go with, but basically to kind of fill in as I went along. And it took me half the season to do it, but I now have two, two closers, uh, Jansen and Will Smith, and then a third, and Joe Jimenez, who was just closing for the Tigers, and I think within a couple of weeks is going to be closing again because I think it's fair to assume that uh, Tigers are probably going to uh, trade Shane Green. So at the couple of weeks, I should be up to three closers uh, and, and three closers that I like a lot. Um, so there's that opportunity to actually move up considerably in saves and, and realistically get up to the middle of the pack before the end of the season, um, maybe even sooner than that. So, um, you know, and I can continue to look look for bargains, but now, you know, as long as I have those three guys that are, you know, kind of settled in, uh, I don't have to, like, make that my weekly priority in FAB anymore. So just something to, you know, to note there, too, that, uh, you know, if you, if you aren't doing well in saves early on, you didn't come away with what you wanted in the draft or the auction, uh, you can play the long game on that. There's still time, you, you know, in July, uh, if you've set yourself up to to work yourself uh, up the standings uh, in saves. So, uh, you know, hopefully I'll uh, do better in that category. But the the hitting is really, you know, what's what's held me down, not just uh, saves. And so, if I, I look at you know why that is, I see a few things. All right, first of all, I allowed Domingo Santana to accumulate 174 plate appearances. In my active lineup. 
So I was very, very slow to uh, cut bait on Domingo Santana. It wasn't really for lack of trying. I tried to find replacements, but in a 15-team mixed league, it's hard to get somebody good enough, especially if you've got another outfielder who's injured or underperforming, and then you're looking at getting two replacements. That's really hard to do, to get two viable replacements in a 15-team mixed league. That said, uh, I think that has cost me, and I needed to do better with that. Maybe I needed to be more aggressive in trading for somebody. Now, I did trade for Chris Davis and Max Kepler, and I think it was ultimately the Chris Davis acquisition that allowed me to bench and then ultimately drop Domingo Santana. But then the thing is that Chris Davis and Max Kepler have slumped ever since I acquired them. So maybe the lesson here is just that I'm a jinx. But probably that's not a good lesson to take away. (laughs) Uh, And also the fact that, you know, in addition to those two players slumping and and probably being too patient with Domingo Santana, uh, a lot of times you have a a slumping offense, a slumping team, you've just got underperforming players, and there's not necessarily a whole lot you can do there. Uh, Reese Hoskins and Kyle Seeger have been big disappointments. And I'm really not sure what to do with Seeger. He had a, a very good second half last year, so I tend to think the thing to do with Seeger is to just wait it out as late as it is. Hoskins, maybe there's a different lesson there because maybe, I, I, I'll put it this way, I'm not confident at this point who the real Reese Hoskins is, whether it's the guy we've seen so far this season or the hitter we saw late last year who was, was far more productive. So maybe I just overspent on Reese Hoskins. Maybe I got too enthused about a player with a half-season track record. So something I'll be keeping in mind for next year. And then uh, finally, something I've bemoaned several times on this show, but I'll bemoan it one more time since it's actually relevant to what I'm discussing here. Going into the season, I really like Mitch Moreland and Cattell Marte as sleepers. I talked about them a lot on this show as great sleepers. I wrote about them, and I got them both uh, in Tout Wars and then dropped them both when they got off to slow starts. I just, after three weeks, I gave up on Mitch Moreland because I thought, okay, I guess I was wrong. Handler Ramirez is uh, getting the, the bulk of the playing time here. And sure enough, you know, pretty much as soon as I, I dropped Moreland, that's when he started turning it on. That's when Hanley started slumping. Uh, the, I did it to activate Franchi Cordero. So at least I was making room for another player that I really believed in, one who was productive for a period of time. But I should have found some way to keep Mitch Moreland. That was regrettable. And same with Catal Marte, who I dropped for Johan Camargo, who I also do like very much, but not as much as Marte. So uh, another lesson here is that there are players you like, even if they're fairly cheap players, late round players, uh, if you believe in them. You know, it's one thing if you're just taking a flyer on a player to, you know, kind of fill out a roster spot and it's a, it's a late pick and you're you're not, not that attached. Uh, you know, you can dump them pretty quickly. But if it's somebody you had good reason to believe was going to be a great value, they deserve more time than I gave either Moreland or Marte. Uh, now, as far as TGFBI goes, uh, in that league, pretty much you know, similar story again. Uh, hitting has been terrible. Pitching has been, been you know, decent uh, in TGFBI. And similar uh, placement in the standings there. Uh, actually, yeah, exactly the same. Or no, I take that back. Uh, and tout, I'm in 11th. This one, I'm tied for 10th. So virtually the same. And uh, there, 
a little bit of a different story because uh, there, there's a lot of players. I mean, I, I named you know two or well, actually four uh, who were disappointing in Tout Wars. Here, I mean, I've got a whole bunch that have really let me down. Uh, Elvis Andrews, Kevin Kiermeyer, who's been hurt, Puig, who's been hurt, uh, Sal Perez, who's had an off year so far, uh, Chris Bryant, Joey Votto, two of my you know earliest picks, um, not performing the way I thought they would, and you know. Again, in those cases, I think maybe I take the lesson from the lower-end players like Cattell Marte and Mitch Moreland and apply them here and say, you know, I really believed in Joey Votto. I really believed in Chris Bryant. They're still two and a half months left. Uh, you know, I just got to stick with these these guys. You know, I'm certainly not going to do a sell low. I'm certainly not going to bench them. Uh, you know, for guys like Kiermaier and Sal Perez, I've actually benched both of them. Elvis Andrews, you know, I'm not sure what to, what to make of him either. Uh, but um, you just got to, you know, situations like that where, you know, some of your better players or, or picks that you in, you expected were going to be among your better players. I think in that case, either you trade from surplus, and in this case I do have a surplus in pitching, and I've actually floated a couple of offers in the past couple of days trying to fill in uh, my weaker spots in hitting, like replace a, a Colin Moran, that kind of player, with um, a much better hitter by trading some of my pitching. Uh, my uh, offers have been rejected so far, but you, you keep trying. Uh, so, you know, you, you try to do that and, you, you know, also see where you've got the most room to move up. And if you read the piece uh, that came out on Fantrax earlier today, uh, Tuesday, that I did on uh, batting average surgers in the second half, that was very much influenced by research I did for Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational because the place where I have the most room to move up is batting average. Uh, so as much as I have a temptation to say, let's go for the power hitters uh, because you have this kind of multiplicative effect of you're going to get power, but you're also going to get an RBI. Um, I'm so far down in those uh, in those particular categories that I think I'm better served by trying to fill in with batting average. And also, I feel like I've got a better chance to get a bargain with batting average because I just don't think those players are uh, valued as much. So um, anyways. With a few minutes I have left here, let's get get to some of the better stuff, the better news, and some of the lessons that we might be able to take away from uh, some of the leagues that are going well. Atnu, I've been in and out of first in that league. I'm currently in third, but can still uh, definitely compete for the title in that one. Uh, it's a, uh, a points league, not a head, head-to-head league, but just a flat-out points league, 12-team mixed. And unlike those two Roto leagues, Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational and Tout Wars, in Atnu... Uh, I have much better hitting than pitching. And so I just did a massive overhaul of the back of my rotation and picked up um, Felix Pena, Anibal Sanchez, Wade LeBlanc, and Brad Keller uh, to replace Blaine Hardy, James Shields, and Domingo Herman, who I just knew I was not going to start anymore. So I realized that this group that I picked up is maybe just as risky as the group I dumped, but I knew that I was almost never going to be starting James Shields. I was almost never going to be starting Domingo Herman. So picked up pitchers that at least were, you know, I haven't made that final judgment yet. And uh, in terms of, you know, so that's what I've done to try to bolster a weak area. But it's a daily lineup league. So what I will give myself some credit for is paying close attention each day to matchups so that players like Joey Gallo, Ian Desmond, um, you know, who have very distinct lefty-righty splits, um, I'm very active in terms of moving these guys in and out and having a roster with complementary parts like that. Um, 
Enciarte, Malik Smith, you know, the, again, these are guys that don't start every day for me. They're kind of a rotation. And also being aggressive uh, on waivers. And when I had the chance to get Jesus Aguilar, uh, I, I bid 15 bucks on him and got him. So um, I've been sort of selective. My, my recent pitching overhaul aside, I've been pretty selective in terms of spending. And I've still got, I think, $18 uh, just to, to bid on or, or a cap room to fill with bids. Uh, so that gives me some flexibility. So I had that flexibility, was able to go, you know, go strong on, on Jesus Aguilar. So, uh, you know, that's something that I uh, can do more of. And then finally, uh, league where I'm tied for first, a league I've talked about quite a bit on the show, the Scott White, Scott White Dynasty League. It's a CBS uh, head-to-head points league. And honestly, I, I have a hard time kind of, you know, looking up and down that roster and seeing how, how am I in first place? <laughs> because it's aside from Andrew Benintendi, I really have no standouts on that team. It's really a spread the wealth kind of team. It's a keeper league. Uh, you know, players have values that they carry over from year to year with some inflation. Uh, I don't have a stud pitcher, but I do have um, Patrick Corbin, Alex Wood and Eduardo Rodriguez who are all affordably priced and they're three of the top 40 starters. So in a 24-team mixed league, that doesn't sound, you know, on the surface, that doesn't sound like a big deal to have three of the top 40. But in a 24-team mixed league, that that's really helped me uh, keep afloat. Uh, and Benintendi himself was affordable. He was an $11 keeper. But, I, you know, I think one of the big difference makers, actually, and this is, again, sort of keeping with the theme of, you know, not having studs in this league, but having a bunch of players who are just good values and good contributors. I kept Josh Hader for $1 in that league. And I haven't even started him every week because I've got some depth in pitching. And uh, particularly there are RP slots there. But uh, having Hader for $1 uh, is certainly something that I think has helped me a lot in, uh, in that particular league. So I hope this was helpful for you. If not, moving on, because uh, tomorrow we got lots more to talk about, more to look ahead in the second half. So thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy the All-Star Game. Have a great time with it. And uh, take care, everybody. 